0: Good morning. Welcome to worships. Good to have you here with us this morning. I'd like to before we charge into the message just I'd like you to pray with me about something. Um, Samuel Walker, Neil Walker and the USC crowd is there in New Mexico at Glorieta. and his son Samuel, um, big guy, <laughs> Um he, he is actually in the hospital right now, and he has a, a form of anemia that they're trying to figure out how to treat. It's not life-threatening, I don't think, at this point. It's something that they need to figure out how to treat and deal with. And so uh, that's going on right now, and I think it'd be good if we prayed for them, asked God to give the doctors wisdom and all. Would you pray with me? Father, We we come to you, and... We're so grateful for the gift of life that you've given us, uh, for the privilege to live life, to experience it, and uh, just for the blessing uh, that you you give us to have one another. And so, Father, as, as a congregation, we come before you right now. We ask that you'd watch over Samuel, guard his life, protect him. And Father, I pray that you'd bring him to full health. We ask for healing in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, you're not surprised by this. You know what's going on. And so I pray that you give the doctors wisdom as they, as they deal with him, as they try to figure out all the factors, all the variables, how to treat the anemia. God, I pray that they would, they would choose the thing that will, will bring restoration of, of his, um, his blood cells, that they would restore. And Father, I pray that you bring him back to full health quickly. Lord, and we, we do ask for just comfort, peace for all the walkers, Neil, Melinda, and everyone who's there dealing with this. Father, we, we just ask that uh, you'd give them peace like only you can. So, Lord, we bring this to you, we leave it with you, and, and we trust you. And, and we ask that you'd be with Samuel and uh, that you'd, you'd restore his health quickly. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Uh, he I think Samuel feels okay he's he 's wanting to get out of the hospital, so uh he feels good they 're just trying to figure out what 's going on exactly um, i'm sure he doesn't feel completely hundred percent but anyway he's he's arguing with them he doesn't want to stay there um, we're we 're looking today we're wrapping up this series that we've been digging into we've really been digging into Colossians three twelve and fourteen and um we're wrapping it up today. We, we've looked at over the past several weeks. Really what we've been doing is there's a list of virtues in verses 12 through 14 of Colossians 3 that we've been landing on and trying to figure out how to clothe ourselves with. That's what we're commanded to do in verse 12. It says, therefore as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, Kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And then we also looked at, at verse 14. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. So we've been pulling out these these virtues, trying to figure out how to clothe ourselves with them. We, we need to do that. We need to clothe ourselves with them. We need to put them on because they don't come naturally to us. We When you, when you decide to follow Christ, the, the picture in Colossians 3 is, is that you put off the old way of living and relating, and then you put on the new way of living and relating. You put on these, these virtues, you begin to choose. You, to do that, you have to cooperate with God. To, to put on these virtues, you have to decide to do that, because uh, we keep slipping into our old way of doing things. If, you, if you've come to Christ, you know this. <laughs> you know how it goes. You, you know it's right to be compassionate and kind and humble. But boy, sometimes you just don't want to do it. And it's so comfortable to go the other way just to wear, you know, like I used to wear my rust cords and my Italian tablecloth hang tin shirt. You know, that was comfortable. Wasn't really that. I didn't care if it was stylish or not. So we get that. We don't care if it's the right style. I just, I this, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to go with. So over the past few weeks, I just want to review what we've been looking at. First week we looked at love ties us together. Agape love. It's it's the word in the New Testament. It's the Greek word agape is the Greek word for love that talks about God's love and and He has expressed this kind of love to us, and he commands us to love others with this same kind of love. There are different Greek words for love, um, one of which is uh, eros. It means romantic love. It It's based on a common desire. There's another love, philia, which is, is based, it's a friendship kind of love. It's based on common viewpoints and interests where you just, you hit it off and you're friends. There's, uh, Storge, which is a love, it's affinity based, it's based on a common history. We went, we've known each other since kindergarten. And so we're, we're friends, you know. And those, those loves are important in life. They give, they give a, a whole lot of meaning to life. But they wear like vinyl. In other words, you can't, it's hard to build a relationship on them because they sort of, we're like vinyl. They, they have cracks and their cracks show up and struggles. But agape love, it's built on principle. It's based on principles, not emotions, not feelings. They don't come and go. Not circumstance or situations. But it's it's something that you choose that's based on principles because God's loved us this way. And he wants us to love others this way as well. And that wears like leather. It lasts. It, it really does last. It makes relationships last. It's really, really good. And the other virtues flow out of it. We looked at verse 14. Um, above all, those virtues put on love that binds them all together in perfect unity. And so these things flow out of it. We looked The next week we looked at uh, the virtues that connect us to other people. Compassion and kindness. Compassion lets another's need get to your heart. Kindness makes the effort to meet the need. It's actually going ahead and helping the person out. Uh, Then we looked at the quality that cultivates respect, which is humility. Um, Humility is voluntarily yielding to another person out of respect for them or out of esteem for them. Um, And humility is the oil that reduces friction in relationships and allow them to keep moving forward and growing and being good. Um, we actually—you probably may be seen on the news—the the, the, the thing—the the fall of the governor of New York. That's a really good illustration of what I was talking that week um, about a person who, uh, if you choose pride, you're only setting yourself up for a fall, and the people around you begin rooting. As you've—I don't know if you've heard many of the interviews. I read a, a story in the Wall Street Journal that pointed out how uh he he rose in, in a very self-righteous way into power as he was on his way up and uh, the interviews and the things you hear from the people around him where they were rooting for him to go down and that's that's what pride does. Pride comes before the fall but humility is the way to honor that's that's the way you can go for the goal you can move forward you can. Charge ahead, but if you're humble, then people are pulling with you. They're rooting for you, and you you can really enjoy relationships in life that way. So uh, we looked at that. That quality, humility, cultivates respect. Then last week we talked about how to avoid pointless conflict, which is gentleness and, and patience. Gentleness to me, it doesn't seem like a very manly quality to say, you know, I'm, I'm going to be gentle um, in a way. But uh, we have this idea that, you know, power is the manly thing. But gentleness is a very uh, manly quality. It's, it's a, used to describe God. It's used to describe Jesus Christ himself. And it means to have your power. You're powerful. You're strong. But it's under control. Like a horse that's been, been broken. You have the power, though, to blow somebody out of the water, but you decide not to. You hold back, and you take a gentle approach to working through the conflict or handling this, the problem or whatever it is you're dealing with in the relationship. Patience is having a long temper, slow to re- retaliate. This is how God relates to us. He is very gentle and patient in the way he handles us. In fact... Uh, The picture you get in scripture is that, uh, you know, God created the earth, put man and woman on it uh, and gave us gave the first man and woman a job to do. And and what happened is he 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 also gave instruction for what was out of bounds. What would be wrong? He commanded them not not to eat from this tree, which they did. They rebelled. They they broke through the boundaries what happened is then we have been affected by this choice this this choice of the first man and woman to to break through the boundaries which is called sin to rebel against god that's basically what sin is so it's affected creation it's affected us our relationships it's now a part of reality for us and the interesting thing is God did, not, God did not decide to wad us up like a piece of paper where we've made a mistake, or a painting <laughs> where we've made a mistake. We just throw away the canvas and start all over again. He didn't do that. He hung in there with us. There's a verse in 1 Peter, 1 Peter 3, 9, said that God is waiting. You know, Because you get the idea, why doesn't God fix all of the problems in the world. Why doesn't he just straighten it out? Well, you know what? If I'm honest, if he's going to straighten out all the problems in the world, he's got to start right here. Because sin is in me. If it's going to be a perfect world, he's got to get rid of sin. And I have it in me. But what, what the scripture says is he's waiting as long as he can so that everybody has a chance to turn to him and know him and begin a relationship with him. So he that is long temper. It's <laughs> been going on for thousands of years. Where God has chosen patience, He is slow, He's long suffering. He is slow to retaliate with us. And so <clears throat> um that's how God relates to us these ways. It's the, putting these things on is a choice. It's, they don't come as a part of your outfit when you're born. You know, it's, you We're not born with these things. You You have to put the stuff you're born with off. We're born with this leaning towards self-interest that turns into anger when people get in our way, when they try to block our goals or whatever it is. So putting on this new style is a choice. And in verse 13, which is sandwiched in between the verses I read earlier, uh, there is a command that we're to follow if relationships are going to keep going. It says, Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another, forgive as the Lord forgave you. This verse tells us what to do when relationships are torn and they need to be mended. We, First of all, we we need to bear with the person, and then we need to flat-out forgive. We're commanded here to forgive as the Lord has forgiven us. Um, There's an interesting verse, if you back up a chapter in Colossians, in verse 2, 13 and 14. It's not on your outline, but it's going to be on the screen. These two verses, very helpful for understanding how God has forgiven us. It says, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. That, that phrase written code or those two words in the Greek that it was originally written in it's a it's it's a reference to handwritten notes that were made that usually they were certificates of debt and they would write the debt down and the penalty for not paying it. And so that's the picture. It's a word picture here. He's referring to these handwritten notes where, you know, hey, you owe me. I owe yous, basically with the debt and the penalty. And what it says here is that God canceled the written code. He, 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 he paid the debt for us in Jesus Christ on the cross. He, he wiped the slate clean. That's what God has done for us with the sin. The, the debt that we owed him because of the sin, because of the rebellion. The reason we owe him is because he made us. He made us. He created us. It's only right that we do what he asks us to do. So when we rebel, we owe the creator. And he himself, since that breaks our relationship with him, he loves us with agape love. Remember, it's not based on feeling or emotion. It's based on principle. So he keeps pursuing us. He has figured out a way to pay for our sin in Jesus Christ so that we can have a relationship with him. That's how God forgave us. And that's the same kind of forgiveness that's to flow over into our relationships with the people around us. Uh, Bearing with others literally means, it's it's on the listening guide there, it literally means to hold up against a thing and so to bear with it. In other words, what do we tend to do? Somebody angers us, they offend us, they hurt us, and we just... Out of anger, we want to pull away. You know, I don't have to put up with this. Who do they think they are? Don't they know that they should treat me better than that? And you just want to pull away. Bearing with someone is the opposite. It's, it's, it's hanging in there. We're to bear with others. Forbearance is always necessary if relationships are going to last and be enjoyable. Forgive, the word forgive here, literally means to grant as a favor. That is gratuitously, in kindness, pardon, or rescue. In other words, it's not something you've earned. The, the person hasn't earned it, but you just give it freely. That's how God's forgiven us. There's another uh, word for forgiveness that's translated to forgiveness in English, in the Greek, that means to send away. So when you forgive someone... You just, you let it go. You send the the offense. You just send it away. You let it go and you give the pardon. You pardon them. You forgive them. You let it go, not because of something they've done, not because they've earned it, just because you, you decide to do that. It's a decision that you make to forgive. And we have things that we deal with all the time. They're very hard. But God can give you the power to let those things go. He can give you the power to pardon the people that are hurting you. And we're commanded here to forgive for our own good. Because if we don't let things go, anger turns to malice and it really messes up our relationships in a big way. Ian's been painting and um, he is uh, going to share with us a little bit of the meaning behind what he's been painting. He's got some... Some things prepared, Ian. When did you commit your life to Christ?
1: Uh, About six and a half years ago.
0: And I think, as you said in the first service, you've been around CIV for about five years. Mm -hmm. So good. We're glad you're around. We appreciate the. I personally appreciate the way you have helped culture me, (laughs) as he's explained. You know, you ask him about a painting or a statue, and he gives you the stuff behind it. I really appreciate that. I need that. Um, But anyway, Ian's gifted. I appreciate his gifts and. He's been painting. He's going to share with us now the, the meaning behind uh, the painting that he's been painting.
1: Okay. Um, oops, backwards. Uh, this painting is inspired by one of my first struggles with forgiveness. After clearing up a conflict with a friend, I was struggling to maintain a forgiving attitude. I did my best to act towards my friend in a gracious and right manner, but internally I continued to struggle with recurring negative thoughts about them. There were some things my friend did that still bothered me, and I tried to find ways to excuse them or to think they were okay. But I kept hitting a wall when I I realized that the things that bothered me were real faults. Though it was difficult, I really wanted to be able to forgive. So all I could do was just pray for God to help. What I found is that I began to grow more aware of my own unique faults, and God even exposed me to some difficult circumstances, which brought out in me some of the same faults which irritated me about my friend. As I saw these things about myself, I knew that my only hope was to depend on God's forgiveness, which I did not deserve. God used this experience to remind me of the basis for true forgiveness. Just as I couldn't justify my own actions before God to earn his forgiveness, but he freely gave it, I also didn't need to be able to justify my friend's faults in order to forgive. My friend's faults were real, but mine are just as real, so I can forgive based on my own experience of God forgiving me. In my paintings, I like to depict characters that have external defects, injuries, and abnormalities, um, which symbolize their weaknesses, sin, and imperfection. This painting shows two two, uh, creatures who are both very flawed, but in their imperfection, they can uh, reach out to connect with one another. By being honest with ourselves and with God about our own failings, we have the starting point to be at peace with the other imperfect people we relate to in life.
0: Thanks, Ian. Appreciate that. Um, What Ian's talking about and what he's painting, I've experienced as well. Um, Get in a relationship, get frustrated, angry, irritated, start to resent the people around you. Go before God and honestly admit my own fault. And something happens in your heart. It changes the way you look at the people around you. And he begins to change your style as you decide to cooperate with him and and work with him. The right style begins in our hearts and in our minds. We learn this. These are some verses we haven't looked at yet in this passage in Colossians 3. Colossians 3, 1 through 4 says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. To set your heart on things above means that you draw your motives and your strength from heaven, not from earth, not from your own flesh. And you hit points in relationships all the time where you need, you need another, you need help from somewhere else. I do. And that's, as Ian described it, that's what happens as we relate to God. God's put his spirit in our heart as well that that acts like a, it ties us to the resources of heaven like an umbilical cord. And so... We set our hearts on the things above, and that helps, helps us develop the right style. Secondly, we set our minds on things above, not on earthly things. That's what it says in verse 2. Uh, it's important, we've been talking about how to, how to gain God's perspective. You get into the scripture, you allow it, you soak it in, and you allow him to speak to you and begin to change your perspective. So you set your minds on things above. You practically do that by finding out what God says in, in his word. Verse three and four, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. To be hidden with Christ in God means that you're secure. Jesus gave the picture of, you know, if you've come to know him, he puts you in his hand and around his hand, God has his hand. And so you're hidden with him. In in God, You're hidden with Christ. That that speaks to security. If you're secure in your relationship to God, which you can be, you can know that you have a relationship with him, that he's real, he exists, and, and you can be secure in him. If you're secure in your relationship with God, then you can put on these other virtues. If you're not secure, then you're looking to other people. It's harder to put on compassion and kindness because you're trying to squeeze out of the other people what you need. But if you're hidden with Christ in God, you're secure in him. He's already given you what you need. And as you set your heart and mind on heaven, the the right kind of resources flow in your relationship. So we need a resource beyond ourselves. I do. That helps us to do these things. How do we do this? How do we bear with others and forgive? First of all, stay connected in a relationship to God. Putting on these virtues grow out of our knowledge of God. That's what we learn in uh, verse 9 and 10. I think verse 10 talks about how we're to grow in our knowledge of God in the image of our Creator. It says similar thing in Jeremiah 2.19. It shows how, how forgiveness is tied to our relationship with God. It says, your wickedness will punish you. Your backsliding will rebuke you. This is a, a prophet speaking to God's people in the Old Testament, out of the Old Testament. He says, consider then and realize how evil and bitter it is for you when you forsake the Lord your God and have no awe of me, declares the Lord, the Lord Almighty. In other words, the, the word forsake in that passage means to loosen, to pull away. You disconnect from God. And so you ignore all that God has done for you and you hammer the people around you. You forget that he's canceled the code. He's canceled the debt, the the handwritten note with all of your debts, all your sins and the penalties connected. He's canceled that. And so what it means to forsake the Lord your God is you, you just block that out and you go ahead and let people have it. And you make them pay. Secondly, we need to recognize the symptoms of bitterness and get rid of it. Hebrews 12, 15 says, See to it that no one misses the grace of God, and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Bitterness causes real problems in relationships. Um, it's, they it grows up like weeds in your heart. You've got to keep pulling things, the wrong things out of your heart, so that you can the right things can grow in your heart. Um, Colossians 3:8 says. But now, rid yourselves of all such things as these: anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from from your lips. So we're, we're to get rid of anger, rage that turns into malice, um, where we just want to hurt people around us because they've angered us. So we pull those, we pull that stuff out like weeds, you know, in your garden. Been try, we we're trying to grow um, uh, ivy in our back. In our backyard, we got a little area, we got ivy going all the way around. You you gotta constantly pull the weeds so that the ivy can grow and be there. It's just, that's the way our hearts are. We've gotta constantly pull the wrong stuff out of our hearts so the right stuff can grow. Here's the flow of bitterness. There's an injury, you're offended, you're overlooked, somebody doesn't give you what you thought you deserved. You're hurt, and the hurt turns into anger. Anger is ill will. You just, you don't like what they did and you want to make them pay for what they did. The anger then becomes resentment. Where ill will begins to settle and you begin to play the tapes over and over again of what they've done. That's, that's what is going through your mind. You just over and over again, you, you replay the, the incident, the offense. Resentment turns to bitterness, which is all of the above in full-blown bloom. It's just you are now a bitter person, and the bitterness stains your heart. It stains you, and you project that stain on other people who weren't even a part of the problem. But it poisons and, and really causes some problems. A real key to relationships is learning to forgive, to bear with other people and forgive. When the anger comes up, when anger is normal, we're all going to experience anger. As we relate, we're going to get irritated, frustrated, angry with people. That should be a symbol that we've got to deal with it and deal with it quickly. Because it could turn into resentment or bitterness that causes real problems in the way that you go at life. Finally, we're to put on these virtues of compassion and humility and patience And as we choose particularly those three, they help with forbearance and forgiveness. Uh, That's what it says in verse 12. Compassion helps you to see why someone could have done something to hurt you. Um, What's easy to do is it's, it's very easy to get hurt and angry and then allow that to cut off the compassion you have towards somebody else. Sort of blinds you to what's going on. You know, we have the ability, you can can put a picture on Photoshop and you can digitally remove certain things. I think what happens sometimes is anger and resentment and bitterness. It causes us to digitally remove in our minds, we remove compassion. We're so angry, we're so bitter that we can't see why they could have done something. We don't. We don't really want to see because we want them to pay. And if we chose compassion, we might actually get a heart for them. And we might melt a little bit and gain some understanding as to why they could have done it or said it. Humility helps because humility leads you to say in your mind to yourself, I could have done the same thing. Pride does the opposite. Who do they think they are? What were they thinking? What in the world? But humility says, you know, I could have done the same thing. In fact, I've done the same thing. I've struggled with this as well. Patience, just being slow to retaliate. Putting on these virtues moves your heart toward forbearance and forgiveness. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be celebrating the Lord's Supper uh, in smaller groups, starting with the week of the 24th, and then I think over the next couple weeks, different smaller groups, Different ones of our small groups are going to be celebrating it. If you're interested, we've mentioned put it on the the welcome card and we'll get the info to you so you know what night and where to go. You'll probably have your choice of nights uh, to go. Um, But this is a ceremony. The Lord's Supper is a ceremony that Jesus asked us to do to remind us of his death and sacrifice on our behalf. There are specific instructions that you get out of the New Testament for preparing for the Lord's Supper. And they have a very practical place in our lives as believers. Um, we're to examine ourselves, to think through our relationships, our relationship to God, see if there's any sin that we're hanging on to, and admit it to him, ask his forgiveness, confess it. When you confess your sin, you're, he is faithful and just to forgive your sin. He wipes it clean. He He, 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 he sends it away. Um And then to think through our relationships, is there anything, any way that I've offended someone that I need to get that straightened out? And there's a good reason for this, because conflict, sin, offenses, anger, resentment, bitterness, it builds up and it clogs up our relationships, just like cholesterol clogs our arteries. So just like in our body, uh, cholesterol causes problems and clogs our arteries up, in the body of Christ... Sin, and un, you know, unconfessed sin, um, problems in relationships, bitterness, resentment, things that aren't worked out, cause problems and keeps the flow of good stuff from going to one another as we relate. It's important to forgive. That's why Jesus said in the Lord's Prayer that we're to forgive our debts. We're, we ask him to forgive our debts as we forgive the debtors, those who owe us. And the idea is God's forgiven our debt of sin, and so we're to forgive freely for uh, the others around us. So what happens is bitterness and unforgiveness affect church life because it clogs up the flow of the good stuff. The good stuff doesn't flow because the bad stuff is clogging things up. So it does the same in our families and our friendships. So this, the Lord's Supper has a very important place in the life of the church. Um, the Bible says that unconfessed sin hinders our prayers even. And so it's a time when we set aside to think through, have we slipped into some of the old ways? I need to put that off. God, I, I, you're right. I, I shouldn't have said that, done that, shouldn't be doing that. I confess that to you. Will you forgive me? Thank you for your forgiveness. And then you put on the new way. So you recommit to follow the Lord Jesus. as as he has commanded us to do. So this is coming up. I just wanted to bring this up. It fits well with uh, what what we've been talking about in this message and also this whole season. it's It's a celebration of what the Lord Jesus has done to buy our freedom, to pay the price for our sin and to help us have a relationship with God. Let's thank the Lord for what he's done. Would you pray with me? Our Father, we thank you for your your forgiveness and your kindness and compassion the love that flows into our lives because you have decided to show us love you are love you are loving and kind and so you you've been so gracious to us i thank you for the way that you love us and relate to us and i pray god that uh you would help us to be honest and real with you about our sin, and accept the forgiveness and cleansing that you offer and allow that to spill into our relationship.